Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I mean, I've simply stopped eating, so I'll make that's not my, a good I, prescription. I will make you my homemade honey mustard okay. with the Duke's mayonnaise. Oh, so you use the Duke's mayonnaise. Some, and some Dijon. So you, you use the Duke's mayonnaise. Vinegar. Yes. Did you? How did we get it here? Did Carol. You, she got it for when? It's, it's unopened. Again, in my house, and this is, I think, the case for people who are old, it is altogether possible that something unopened was bought, not even in the 2000s. It's possible. <laughs> this is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. You're going to want to stay tuned for the end of the show when we do emails. We have wonderful emails on ketchup and mayonnaise. I love the way you shake condiments. your head during the opening snippet in agreement with yourself. Yeah, well, you know. Now, I was thinking after the show... How sad it is that you're not a ketchup person, because I wanted to get you in on the debate of sort of homemade restaurant ketchup that they bring you out in a little saucer versus just having your own traditional Heinz bottle out there. Not to mention when you have the the refillable Heinz that's been filled with something lesser. Do you actually think that those things, I, I have some, I'm vaguely conversant with how it works in a restaurant having owned one for a while and failed miserably. Do you actually think when they bring out those ramekins that that is personally made ketchup and that's yes. not taken from a bottle? Oh, at, so at the not types a of, at the types of lower end places that you had, <laughs> that was that was a like a Hunt's ketchup probably. Yeah, you, you couldn't even spring for the industrial ketchup. It's yeah, industrial ketchup comes in a comes in a fifty Heinz. pound uh, b- big tin. Yeah. And you spoon it no, out. No, you go to you go to certain places downtown that think they are hip, and they bring out a ketchup that has too much sugar in it. Oh, really? They do it themselves. Yeah. Well, no, they might be getting it from somewhere else, but they're trying to have that. And you go, no, Heinz works well. Why don't? Yeah. Why don't you bring it out in a Subaru? So I know yeah. you love me. You know that would be great. The Heisman Trophy was awarded last night. I watched the award, not the whole show. You just want to see the award. It went to Devonte Smith, a wide receiver from Alabama. He's very good. Um, He'll have impact in the NFL right away if he stays healthy because wide receivers walk right in. Wide receivers and running backs and defensive backs walk right in, and they're impactful, and they can become stars. Quarterbacks don't usually walk right in and become stars, though Justin Herbert may be on the verge of becoming a star in in just his first year. So by his second year, he may be that way. Trevor Lawrence finished second. I believe he finished second three straight years. Trevor Lawrence is the runaway. There's no chance – that Devontae Smith will be the number one pick in the draft. There's no chance. Trevor Lawrence will be the number one pick in the draft. And Trevor Lawrence will be, you will hear that not since Andrew Luck has a quarterback prospect come into the league who is this good and the hopes are this high for him. And yet he never won the Heisman, even though he's the best quarter, he's the best quarterback. He wasn't last year he wasn't as good as Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had a spectacular year, but the year before that. He was a lot better than Joe Burrow, and he didn't get it. I guess, did Kyler Murray get it that year? Because they didn't want to give it to a freshman. You know, this is what worked against him. He was a freshman the first year when he was the best player. Joe Burrow had one of the greatest seasons in history last year. And this year, Devontae Smith had a great year, and and people just said, you know, we're tired of quarterbacks. There's an anti-quarterback bias. If somebody else comes along and they're good, they're going to win. When's the last time a receiver has won? Desmond Howard, 1991 or 92. Been a long time, 30 years. 
been a long time. And Desmond Howard was a total bust. In now, the with all the delays with the award seasons, it, this sort of has like a best director feeling where you where you were in the final two or top three and you just sort of missed out for a reason that's not necessarily due to anything on the field. Chuck Culpepper had the right idea the other day in the Washington Post where he said, based on the entire body of work, Trevor Lawrence should get it as a Lifetime Achievement Award, and he didn't get it. So I just, I just mentioned that. Um, there is... What else do I... Oh, so yesterday, I got a couple of cards yesterday. I got some holiday cards, Christmas cards, New Year's cards. And I've gotten a few from people who listen to the show. They're not personal friends, though I'm sure they feel like personal friends. And in a way, they feel like personal friends to me. Steve Sigourney and his family in Big Sky, Montana, sent me a card. I'm very grateful for that. And I recognize the name. You know, I know he's been a listener for a long time. I got two yesterday. Ted and Kara from Massachusetts and August and Michelle from Michigan. Now, I don't know. I mean, thank you. Thank you. So what I'm going to ask, Michael, is because you were a teacher, and a teacher has to, has to know protocol and has to know what's sensible and has to sort of take the moral positions when they are available to him or her. Do I send cards back to these people? I mean, they're very nice. Their cards are nice, pictures of them and their dogs and their children and stuff like that. But I, I don't know them. I think given your position, you do not need to send a card back. What I was going to ask if these were, say, people that you knew, if they were tier two, tier three, which is they received a card from you in that week, right, say, leading up to New Year's or the days after. and all We just sudden, sent out about 20 they're cards the other the day. Auto, they're, they're doing the last run of their automated sort of let's let's finish this season out. So I don't know. And I, that's I, the nature of having you know Christmas and New Year's at the end of weeks. I would not have sent Ted and Kara a card considering I don't know them. And I would not have sent August and Michelle a card. I might next year now because now we're pals, I guess. But I don't know them. I just assume they're listeners. They're very nice. Their cards are lovely. We sent out the last batch of our cards yesterday, which means with the current U.S. Postal Service, they'll get there in March. Because we, we just got one back. Yeah, we sent Wilbon's card, which we sent out three weeks ago. And, and it has the wrong address, the wrong number. And, you know, somebody in this house put the wrong number down. Um, you think with that last name, they could just deliver it to the guy's house. That's what exactly. I would think, too. So it, it came back to us. And then I said, Mike, what, what do we get wrong? And he said, this is my address. And I said, oh, somebody in this house got that wrong. So we would send a new card to Mike in Arizona. But I don't have a lot of faith that it's going to get there in a reasonable amount of time. Although maybe, maybe now it would get there in a reasonable amount of time because we're past the holiday rush. And so I'm not, are, are I'm not being critical. I'm not being critical of mail carriers because they're the best people in the world. I just, their attention somewhere else. The volume, right. You know, I mean, it's, this is a hard time to work. It's a hard time. Not everybody is working at maximum efficiency because they got a lot of things on I'm happy on their you bring mind. this up because I, I have this small thing where I'm sure a lot of people break down their card list into, you know, you divide it. Here are some friends of mine from college. You take care of these. Let's just say Did we send you a card? No, you, you I didn't. voted against that. You gave us a card. Frankly, yeah. we, we built the card for you. We're you still did. working on the wrong word. <laughs> yes. I, I sort of think yeah, real actual, works. not real. But real because okay. I was trying to go for the ingredients there. Yeah. Uh, and I have a very small percentage of our list. I did not tackle my list. Liz has taken care of her list. Do I just forget my list, or should I try and finish it? I think you've, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think people are always sort of, they smile. They have a, re, they have two reactions when they get a card. Let's say January tenth, they say, "Oh, we weren't on the original list." That is a legitimate thing to say. But secondly, what you say is, "Well, isn't this nice? Isn't this nice? This is sweet, nice card." So, yeah. 
Well, would it's tough because our list, we, we through Instagram, most of our friends of our network has already seen, you know, the the photo of us doing some family activity in the late fall that shows off the kids. So yeah. I don't feel like it needs to. It, it's not like we're sending out the Dave Kindred three paragraph letter. So I get I get a great letter every year from my former camper at Camp Tioga, Marcus Roddy, which is so funny. He was in advertising his whole life. He's hysterically funny, and I look forward to that all the time. I will say that a few people have sent me cards on the internet, like texted cards or emailed cards. I don't even open them. I, I think that's cheap. Well, you, have a, that's you have a small. track record of opening bad links. You know, so yeah, I don't, Just I mean, for a couple free if you want to, yeah, if you, well, I don't do that anymore. If you want to <laughs> send me a card, send me a card, don't email me a card. Just, you know, don't spend the money, spend the 50 cents on the stamp and send me a card. And if not, don't worry about it. But I have, you know, one old close friend from my high school days who sent me a card on email and I did not even open it. You leave it unread? Yeah, it's unread. It's, you know, I just, I just trashed it. I don't want it. I, I you know, this is where I am on things like ketchup. I am very militant <laughs> on certain things and that's it. I've sort of run out of time to tell this story. Oh, please tell it. Okay, so it as people take know, long. <laughs> so as people know, um, I have subscribed for months to Chef Roberto Dona's five meals a week, which I think are great and which I think are reasonably, totally reasonably priced, if not advantageously reasonably priced to the consumer. And I've told a lot of people, just look them up, Roberto Dona, D-O-N-N-A. You know, if you're in the Washington area, the food is great. It's not food that you would ever order. It's not food you'd ever make. It's a, a Michelin-starred chef creating things for you, and you just say, wow, this is terrific. Not everything is something you will love, but so many things are something you will love that you say to yourself, this is great, and you don't have to go to and the And everything's worth a try. Oh, absolutely worth a try, like chestnut soup and squash soup and all of these things. Totally worth a try. So he did not cook meals last week. He had a New Year's Eve special dinner. Uh, and it was like a six-course special dinner. And we bought it for two, and we divided it. There was so much food that we used half on New Year's Eve and half on New Year's Day. Half the courses, not half the portion. Half the right? courses. Half okay. the courses. Yes, we just divided them up. And it had three different desserts. We just divided them up. Well, there was enough food for, for two for it was two. not like a snake draft. You get the first pick. Eric no, gets two and three. no, 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 no. We agreed. We totally agreed. And we agreed that the piece de resistance, as far as I was concerned, ravioli, would be the meal, the main course on New Year's night. I have said this many times that I grew up in an area where Italian restaurants and Chinese restaurants were the most popular foods. This is the predates burgers. I'm honestly, like, I remember when there was no McDonald's. So when I was a kid, you went out for Chinese food or you went out for Italian food and you tried a bunch of places till you found the place you liked. And I have since measured all Italian restaurants by the way they serve ravioli. Ravioli is my benchmark. I know exactly what I want in ravioli. I know exactly how I want it to taste. I am willing to look at mutations and taste them and be pleasantly surprised. But I like ravioli. Meat ravioli, cheese ravioli, lobster ravioli, spinach ravioli. It's okay. It's okay. Any different way you make it is okay. I like ravioli, and I rate you on ravioli. When I went to 
the most famous, one of the most famous restaurants in New York City, it's Italian Patsy's. I said, do you have ravioli? And they say, of course we have ravioli. Because there must be a lot of people like me that look at the traditional dish of, um, you know, a, a an envelope of pasta stuffed with something and covered with a sauce. And they say, good, that's what I want. That's ravioli. So there was ravioli and there was a lot of stuff to do with the ravioli. And you must understand when I tell this story that many condiments and um, ameliorations. What Blue Apron used to call knickknacks. Yes. Many of these things that are there to make your food better, taste it in a certain way, come in little jars. They're not even jars. They're, you know, like if you pour salt into, what are those things? They're plastic. Yeah. They're plasticware and they're all labeled. Like little pinch cups. Yes. They're all labeled as to what they are. And to do parsley. To do, yeah, to do the ravioli and to do the other foods we were having that night. You had to be cognizant. Yeah, you have to be cognizant of all these things. You have to line them up. You have to get ready. Okay, you have to get ready. So Carol is in charge of cooking. And it's, it's, uh, cooking is an exaggeration. It's warming and it's serving. Okay, it's warming. It's taking the foods out. It's putting the knickknacks on top. It's doing all that to, as closely as you can, replicate what Roberto Dona would do in a restaurant. I am so eager to have this ravioli. And the ravioli comes and it's in a creamy sauce and it looks very, very good. And I want to tell you, I'm going to just go on and on for a while if nobody minds. There is a commercial out and I will give the ending away by talking about this commercial. <clears throat> it's a commercial in which two couples in their 20s or 30s are having dinner together and the man is cooking. And the two women take bites of what the man has put in front of them and make faces that indicate they think they're going to die in the next 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, yes. This food is so bad. And then the commercial cuts to the guy, the second guy, not the cooking guy. And he, it's a Heineken commercial. And he goes, great. And he picks up a Heineken and clicks cans with the guy who made the food. They are oblivious of the women because all I care about is the beer. Then the guy who cooked the food takes a bite, and he wants to vomit on the food right in the spot. <laughs> Something right. is wrong with the food. And I say this because I was so eager to eat the ravioli, so eager to eat the ravioli. And I took a bite of the ravioli, and it was inedible. I didn't say anything. And I mixed the sauce around a little bit and took another bite of the ravioli, and it was inedible. And it was inedible for me for this reason. It was sweet. You know how I feel about sweet things in food. It was totally sweet, and I said, I can't eat this. Now, what I should have done, and my daughter told me to do this if it ever happens again, is take the ravioli out of the sauce, wash it, wash it, and then just you know, make it, you know, sort of hot again. So you'll just get the ravioli. And I didn't think to do that. I just, I walked away from it because it was filled with sugar. Those of you who know me well will remember the story that I've often told about my friend Brent Glass, who later went on to become the director of the American History Museum at the Smithsonian. When we were in sixth grade or seventh grade, a bunch of boys got together because boys had to take cooking at school, cooking. Girls had to take shop Boys had to take cooking, then boys got to take shop where they made metal bullets, and girls got to do cooking. <laughs> and we went to Brent's house, 
And Brent served. We were making brownies, and we all chipped in. And Brent served the brownies, and we took bites and spit the brownies all over the other person <laughs> because Brent put in salt and not sugar. He ruined the brownies. He ruined the brownies. I looked around, and Carol, I said, what is in this? Yeah, How could this be? Hazelnut. What happened? And she, she said to me, it was the hazelnut. The hazelnut must be sweet. And I go, hazelnuts aren't sweet. It's not the hazelnut. And we finally found out that she had added sugar total sugar which was supposed to be on the dessert course sugar she saturated the ravioli with sugar i couldn't eat it so that was my story so most evenings after we put the boys to to bed the Tell, house is quiet it. i sit down in my chair put the tv on silent normally about 7 45 8 o'clock and i see a voicemail tony and i look to see if there's a transcript one minute 30 seconds and the sadness in your voice. I just had to put the phone down and continue to sit in silence. Liz walks down. Is everything okay? I just got a voicemail from dad. He's fine. Crickets. It's sugar. It was coated in sugar. Sugar. And, and she added it. I mean, because she was adding everything. She added the sugar. Now, at this point, how much the champagne had we enjoyed? Uh, about two-thirds of a bottle. Okay. About two-thirds of the bottle of the grower's That's champagne that Tom Bjornson had. You know, it was fine, and it, I knew I would be able to tell the story, but, you know, I love ravioli. I love ravioli. It's your so, ratatouille. You know, you don't want to have, yeah, you don't want to have um, sugar. I don't, you know, I don't eat, I don't eat pineapple chicken, kids. You know, I don't eat that. I don't like duck with cherry sauce. No, I don't like ketchup. I mean, I think I think there are platonic forms of what foods ought to be, and they don't include all of these condiments, and they certainly, you know, dinner materials don't include sugar for me. Anyway, huh, thank God I told that story. We will get out of here. I'll, I expect a lot of emails about that. Uh, we will get out of here. When we come back, uh, we will have Chris and Gary, and we'll do some news. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Wonder Woman 1984 read. You can experience the epic adventure Wonder Woman 1984 in theaters and on HBO Max, now streaming at no extra cost to HBO Max subscribers. Plus, with HBO Max, stream the greatest collection of series, movies, and exclusive Max originals all in one place. Discover something new to watch, The Undoing, The Flight Attendant, His Dark Materials, and so much more. I think and so much more, as I said, refers to so much more, not a show called and so much more. And I think that because the other things are capitalized and and so much more is not capitalized. Go to hbomax.com or download the app to sign up and start streaming today. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Andy Clark, the proud father of Maddie Clark. Maddie Clark is singing this song, and Andy writes, A solitary bright spot in an otherwise dismal year was the opportunity to work on a slew of new material with my songwriter daughter. Consigned home quarantine after being summarily ejected from her college campus, she wrote and recorded an album's worth of songs for release in 2021, including this one, Rope Burns, which ponders the folly of clinging to a doomed relationship. Not the most upbeat way to ring in the new year, but think of it as a not-so-fond farewell to 2020. This is from Andy Clark and his fabulously talented daughter, Maddie Clark, and it's called Rope Burns. It's available on, you know, all the usual spots. We're going to do a news segment with Gary and Chris, and, and we're going to concentrate, obviously, on what happened last night in Georgia and what might happen today 
Uh, I think it's today. Chris, just let me make sure. Today is the day that Mike Pence can declare uh, Donald Trump king and president for life, right? <laughs> yes, you've nailed that. I'm glad you've been following okay. this closely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll go get to that eventually. But go ahead, Nigel, lead us off. I'd just like to say that maybe a monarchy wouldn't be such a bad idea. If you guys want to come back into the United Kingdom, we'd love to have yep. you back. Yep. Yep. Uh, we will start off with Georgia, where uh, there was a runoff in both senatorial elections. One of those results, I believe, has been called final. That was a uh, Raphael, uh, I almost said Warlock, Warnock uh, defeated Kelly Leffler. The other one between John Ossoff and David Perdue, still at this point too close to call. Do I have that right, Chris? You do, Nigel. I, I always admire your your knowledge of American elections. Yes, that's exactly that's exactly right. Uh, Warnock. Chris, can can we just establish one thing that because I think I think in most states, if you have an election on election day and yes. somebody gets the most amount of votes, <laughs> that person wins. But Georgia is different, right? Yes, and so are a bunch of states in the South. Um, these were laws put in largely to keep African Americans from winning long ago, uh, which essentially was that if the vote got split up a lot of ways, you know, if there were a bunch of candidates and it got split up and uh, somebody didn't get the 50%, they would have a runoff in which the two top vote-getters would run against one another. And that's what you saw here. So on November 3rd, neither, no one in these two races got 50% of the vote. So the two candidates uh, who got the most, obviously the two major party candidates, do a runoff where it's just the two of them in January. It is something that the South still has in a number of states. Almost nowhere else in the country has it. Okay. So what happened? Well, Warnock, uh, well, first of all, Leffler is the owner of the Atlanta Dream, the WNBA franchise. She's very wealthy. Her, her husband is the president of the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, she, oh. was appoint, she was appointed to the seat um, uh, in, uh, when Johnny Isaacson, who was just a senator, decided he was leaving. Uh, she decided to line directly up with Trump. She touted herself as more conservative than Attila the Hun. Not kidding. There's an ad in which she says she's more conservative than Attila the Hun, and they <laughs> they then go to what is supposed to be Attila the Hun, and Attila the Hun is grunting and saying that she can't believe he can't believe that Leffler's more conservative. Uh, Warnock is the pastor of. Ebenezer Baptist Church, which is the church that Martin Luther King grew up in and became the pastor of. Um, he will be the first black senator from Georgia. Um, in the other race, uh, John Ossoff is like a 33-year-old guy. He ran for the it's House a, a, few, yeah, a few years yeah, ago. A a lost a very competitive House special election. Uh, David Perdue is just kind of a, you know, Run-of-the-mill Republican senator, nothing, you know, hasn't really made a huge impression in his first six years. I think he, he Ossoff, is very likely to win. He's now ahead by about 16,000 votes. I think the remaining votes that are out there, which are largely absentee votes, you know, but people, they just haven't counted yet, um, are in places that will favor Democrats. And so I, I think by far the most likely outcome is Democrats will win both of these seats, they've already won one, they'll win both of these seats, and that will give them 50 seats in the Senate, and with Kamala Harris as vice president, the majority in the Senate, as well as the House, as well as the White House. I mean, it's a, it's a remarkable outcome, and, and I would say gigantic repudiation of, of Donald Trump. Okay. Um, Gary, thoughts? Uh I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my head around Georgia sending a black guy and a Jew to the Senate. Yep. <laughs> it's yep. sort of weird. 
Yep. Yeah. 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 I, I think but that's Gary's the subtext right, of a lot of us. <laughs> just, to, just to add to Gary's right. I mean, like this is a state prior to Biden winning by 11,000 votes uh, on November 3rd in Georgia. The last person to win the state Democrat at the presidential level was Bill Clinton in 92. I mean, this is Georgia was not seen as a state that was going to transform this rapidly. Yes, you know, uh, uh, the state was becoming less white. Yes, suburban voters were leaning more toward Democrats and Republicans. But like, this was not something you would see, you would have expected to see. I think Trump sort of supercharged the changes that were happening in Georgia, but it's stunning. Two, well, two things I would just say, uh, I'd go back to Bill Clinton and I would say he was the governor of Arkansas at that time. Mm-hmm. He was seen as a Southerner in the same way, like Jimmy Carter, who actually was a Southerner. But, but Clinton was <laughs> more acceptable to people in Georgia than Mike Dukakis would have been. Or something like that, right? That's fair to say, is it not, Chris? Oh, abs- absolutely. I mean, that's Carter was the yeah. one who won before that, and he was obviously from Georgia. Yeah, and Georgia right. was also and, and, de- Georgia was also a democratic state forever, Chris. Yeah. Right? I mean, not absolutely. not like a was, lot of the South. I yeah. mean, a lot of you know. I mean, right. the solid the reason, South. Yeah, the reason the Republicans right. took over the House in '94 was because the South, which it had been democratic forever, sort of turned. Those people were conservative but voted for Democrats, and then they started voting for Republicans. That's exactly right. Can I get to one other thing um, as well in, in, in this context? Uh, I, you say it's a repudiation of Donald Trump. These are very, very close races. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 50-point-something to 49-point-something in the same way that the presidential election. Donald Trump got like 75 million votes. I mean, I, I, I guess I quibble with the notion of repudiation. You know, because it's because it's really, really close. Maybe, yeah. but but please tell me I'm wrong. It's no, okay. I mean, I, my my view is politics is like sports. Someone wins and someone loses. And yet, yet sure, right. like you'd rather win fifty six nothing than fifty six fifty five. But winning is right. winning and losing is losing. And again, Georgia is a place that if you told me, okay, there's a race for Senate in Georgia, you didn't tell me anything about the candidates, you didn't tell me anything else, I would say, well, the Republican is probably going to win, just because prior to last night, Republicans tended to win Senate races and presidential races. So yes, it's not, look, uh, uh, Raphael Warnock didn't beat Kelly Leffler 80 to 20. Uh, there, There is not a... Uh, Donald Trump is not going to go away, and his coalition is not tiny. It's it's big, um, yeah. but his focus on things like trying to overturn the election for himself uh, in the last days of that election, I think, did not help those two candidates. That's all I would say. Can I? Yeah. Can I ask this question? Since since Donald Trump seems to be fixated on Georgia, not other states, but Georgia, and why the Georgia presidential vote was rigged and corrupt. Will he say the same? We don't know this, but I'm assuming. Will he say the same things about these Senate races? Oh, yeah. I was yeah. tweeting it last night. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. Oh, we did? Gary, yeah, yeah, go, Gary, go ahead. County. Gary follows this stuff just as well. No, as I, I, I just saw at, at some point last night when the returns were coming in. So, so obviously these larger counties, Fulton County, for instance, has, has 10% of the population of the state. If I'm if I'm correct, yeah, Atlanta, right. yeah, yeah, and, and it it takes a long time, obviously, to count uh, to count a county with half a million votes versus a county with thirty five hundred votes, and this is something the president appears to have trouble understanding. So when when these votes come in in huge tranches from a Fulton County, and all of a sudden you're getting 
25 thousand votes added to the to the tally and 80 percent of them are democratic it it sort of swings things so he tweeted at some point like oh looks like they just found another 5,000 votes go figure i mean very very sort of cynically tweeting sort of here we go again type stuff um so i you know i mean who knows tony what he believes but i i know he was last night continuing to to propagate the rigged election stuff yeah i mean i don't know so, he, i don't know if he doesn't get it you know, I mean, it takes longer to count 500,000 things than it does to count 15,000 things. I mean, I, it, like, it's not, I, I don't, I, so I don't know if he doesn't get it or to Gary's point, he just chooses not to publicly get it. But, but either way is the same sort of end result. Is this the day, is this the day where the election, the presidential election is supposed to be certified in, in, Congress? Is this no, that day? No, I mean, it's already been certified, really. Remember, the, the vote counting is a state, you know, the, the electoral the electoral sort of giving of the electoral college votes is a state-by-state state process. The founders were very cognizant of not creating another, to Nigel's point, monarchy, right? Not making the federal government too strong. So this is, states make the rules on how uh, to hold elections. When the, um, you know, how long the polls are open, uh, whether you can vote absentee or not, all this stuff. And so this has already happened on December 14th, I believe. It, the, the vote is already certified. This is really the equivalent. I saw somebody make this point. This is really sort of the equivalent of the famous person at the Oscars opening the envelope and saying, uh, such and such wins the Oscar for Best Picture. Right, that's sort of Pence and Congress's role. There's not really much of a role. Yes, they can object as they're going to do and force some debate, but the truth is that there's no way that anything is going to change here. Both houses of Congress would have to uh, approve to reject electoral college votes. That's not going to happen in either the Senate or the House. And then Pence will sort of just read the best picture winner. I mean, Trump may believe something different, but the facts are, are the facts. And this is really just kind of a box checking. Uh, I think I saw <clears throat> a couple days ago that four years ago, this, took seven, this process took 17 total minutes in Congress. You know, I mean, it's just they read out the electoral college votes. The, the, the vice president, which in that case would have been Joe Biden, outgoing vice president, says Donald Trump got 306 electoral votes. He will be the next president of the United States at the end. You know, I mean, the only reason that we're in this drama is because we have a reality show president. Can I remind you that a few years ago with Warren Beatty that they got the best picture wrong, that they read La La Land and it was really Moonlight? Can I remind you that? What if if Pence was like, Donald Trump, well, no, I'm sorry, wait, no, it is actually Joe Biden. I mean, Pence is in like the, Pence who has basically subjugated himself to Trump for the last four years to, to try to eventually get Trump's endorsement to be president is in the worst possible position because he's bound by law to essentially say Joe Biden and Trump doesn't understand that. And by that, I mean law. And he's sort of, he wants Pence to say Donald Trump. I mean, it's a remarkable thing, like four years, four years of plotting, strategizing and sort of, you know, putting yourself second and always like, yes, Mr. President. Now, on right. um, one of the final days of his presidency, he's going to piss Trump off to the point where the whole plan sort of blew up. You're fired. 
Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and Trump is likely, uh, Trump is supposed to attack him. You know, Trump, the, the Trump great. advisors are saying, you know, he's speaking at this rally in D.C. today and that he might go after Pence. <laughs> wow. All right, Nigel, what else do we have? Uh, the Kornheiser investigative team has learned that Kim Kardashian and Kanye West will be getting a divorce. And by learned, I mean we read it on the Internet. Um, the thing about uh, Kim Kardashian is that she's serious about taking the bar exam and becoming a lawyer. She's serious about the prison reform campaign. Meanwhile, Kanye is talking about running for president and saying other crazy bleep. And she's just had enough of it. For Kanye West part, they say a separate source says he's becoming, and you'll love this, Tony, increasingly uncomfortable and irritated by the Kardashians' over-the-top reality star lives. is completely over the entire family. <laughs> he wants nothing to do with them, and he finds the reality show, quote-unquote, unbearable. Also so reportedly I, very angry I, that she put sugar in the ravioli. That's yeah. I have to say, I didn't see this coming. See I didn't see this coming. I thought they'd be together forever. I thought it would, you know, it's a, because when Kardashian women get involved with men, it usually works out really well. Gary, your thoughts on uh, this? My, my thoughts would be for bonus points, can the four of you combine to name three of the four Kimye children? Oh. No cheating. Uh, Blue. One is named no, Blue. North, North is North? correct. North is seven. Uh, Blue? There is no blue. There's no one color. No. There is someone named after a Midwestern city, Jesse? not Toronto. Omaha. Toronto. No, they have a Chicago, a North. Uh -huh. a, well, in, in order, North is seven. Saint is five. Saint. Chicago will be three next week, if memory serves. And, of course, Psalm is 19 months, and that is the traditional oh. P-S-A-L-M spelling. Oh, lovely. Okay. Yeah. Just so they, she's going to... She's so happy. Yeah, she's going to take up other things like uh, prison reform. Yeah. Okay, great. Cool. Okay, yeah. what else? Yeah, what else? <laughs> well, Mr. Tony, I know when, uh, when travel opens up again, as we, you know, the, the vaccine rolls out and people are traveling more and more, thinking, oh, this is fantastic. I can fly with my emotional support lemur. Well, <laughs> don't, don't think so fast right there, because it looks like the Department of Transportation is now set to restrict those uh, animals. Uh, they're going to significantly narrow the definition of service animals. As a result, emotional support animals are no longer considered service animals, and airlines will no longer be required to allow them on the airplane. As in People are bringing mm. goats and peacocks onto yes. airplanes. Yeah. Yes. You can't have this. You, you just cannot have this. The, the, the expanded definition of what you need to sit on an airplane cannot be allowed to, to make the person next to you, you know, look and go, my God, it's a goat. You just can't have it. You just can't have it. Is there any ruling on talisman and amulets? Will they be allowed no, the, still, Nigel? They're apparently still allowed, yeah. Okay, worn, thank goodness worn, for that. Worn shirts. I, yes. I'm still haunted by the Wilbon story about how he was sitting oh, at first the dog. class, the dog. obviously, <laughs> yeah. and, the, and the dog decided to relieve itself. I mean, I think yeah. of that like once a week about, like, what did they do? You know, do? and that's a dog. Not that's a not, you know, 15 hedgehogs and a tiger. <laughs> it, come right. on. Yeah. These people who say I have to have this, and you know, the law, the law says you, you can't even say something to them. You can't, yeah. you can't, what, ask, at a, at a, no, you can't say to the person who brings oh. a support 
animal. You can't like question their need for this. So, so that, the ruling that, is is no more. You can have a service crazy. animal, obviously, a, a seeing eye yes. dog or something, but you can't yes. have a support animal. Okay. Yes. Now, hopefully, this paves way for the just as necessary. Keep your shoes on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Please. Uh, yes. God. Please. No cutting your fingernails. But we well, what else can you do it, Chris? Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes they get long. Yeah. We'd all yeah. agree, though, that Reginald should be allowed to fly, though, right? We don't have a problem with that. Well, he flies private. He's his private. <laughs> yeah. G5. Yeah. He's a Delta private jet. He's fine. All right, do we have anything else, or are we good? This is fine. No, we're good. We're good. We're good? Okay, thank you. Thanks, everybody. I miss everybody. you, Gary. That I miss your musk. Happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we will uh, we'll come back. Chuck Todd, right? Chuck Todd will join us, and and Chris has has exhausted the politics for us. So Chuck Todd will just be able to pick games, which makes me so happy all the time. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Solo Stove ad. Chris loves Solo Stove. Chris bought his own Solo Stove. Michael, you took the solo stove down to South it Carolina. It was the perfect gift to end 2020. Whether you're camping in the woods or at a backyard get-together, there's nothing like a roaring fire to bring you back to what matters. The things, digital distractions, and the frenzy of everyday life make too easy to forget. Warmth, brilliance, connection. Those fireside moments ground you in what it means to be human. That's a little bit of a stretch, but it's it's a good try. It's a good try. Do you want to talk about solo stove? Yeah, no, the solo stove, the, the fire pit, is it's spiritual. And the worst part about a good gift is now I want to drive back to South Carolina, bring it back. Obviously, this is easily transportable. I would, I would let it cool down first, which it does very quickly. But you know what? Something that is, that is not permanent, that they can bring up, that they can put out and, and safely enjoy the fire, each other's company, friends, and look at the most beautiful sunsets and, and nights. Solo Stove creates story-worthy moments, fireside fumes not included, stainless steel construction designed to regulate airflow and burn more efficiently. So little smoke, you'll wonder how there's so much fire. There's no campfire smell on your clothes and hair, and nothing left but ultra-fine ash for an easy cleanup. Uh, it's easy to light with a few bits of starter. Your fire is blazing in minutes. Take your solo stove with you on the road, as Michael did, or set it up on your rooftop or backyard. Your rooftop. And Solo Stove is so confident in their products, they'll give you a lifetime warranty for every purchase. No one needs a reason to gather around the fire. Solo Stove just took away any reason not to. And now you can get $10 off when you use the promo code TONY at checkout. Just go to solostove.com, S-O-L-O-S-T-O-V-E, Com. And remember, you get $10 off when you use the promo code TONY. And so, use the code, people. You're listening, You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This comes to us from Forrest, Kevin, Josh, and Ben. Named for the towering ridgeline that bisects the Olympic Mountains in the great state of Washington, High Divide, the name of this band, draws from the heart of traditional folk and bluegrass while capturing the no-boundaries attitude and heartfelt angst of rock and roll. I like that. Our band couldn't think of a better way to promote our music than to test our luck by submitting it to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Jaw Dropped, which is the name of this tune, is the first single release off the album, which will debut later this year on all streaming platforms. Michael, if people like High Divide 
or Maddie Clark want to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyKornizerShow.com. And do you have anything else to add on the subject of what we're selling? I have the update. We're going to add the TK Show baseball hat to one of the offerings along with a sweatshirt that if you purchase during the month of January, we're going to send some proceeds over to Rocco's Warriors. So thanks for your uh, thanks for your support in advance. Chuck Todd joins us now. He was having a great week. He was 5 and 1 until the Washington game where he had picked as I would have too. As a, because I didn't know that Doug Peterson was going to sabotage the game. I would have picked the Philadelphia team as well. He finished 5 and 2, not 5 and 1. 55-61 and 1. A chance throughout the playoffs to climb back to Mount 500. Your thoughts on that particular game and when you saw Nate Sudfeld go in the game? Well, I I I will say this, I had real money and I had the Eagles six and a half, so I'm thankful that that oh. that, that covered. Um, right. On, or excuse me, I had the. Uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that covered uh, on that front. Is that they, they it, the Eagles ended up covering by half a point? But um, yeah, I mean that was that. I have to say, I think there should be real consequences here. You know, and I think you brought this up the other day. Profession, whatever. You know. I'm guessing, Tony, that your, your head, because my head sometimes still is stuck in the idea that gambling is bad, right? And the sports leagues are always, you know, don't think about it. Look, we're in a different mindset. This is a huge industry. This is an industry. Yes. That, yes. That is, and you cannot have. The NFL has decided that gambling is how they're going to thrive, right? They endorse it. Fan they endorse they gambling. I think they own, not they, only that, don't they own a piece of FanDuel or, yes. or, or DraftKings yeah. or Kraft does, right? So you you can't have Doug Peterson correct. to change yeah. the integrity of this game. You can't. Like the same way the NBA had to fire that refs and had to get and, and create when there was nerve when when there was sort of rumors that somehow NBA refs were you know you know when we had the one guy that Tim Donaghy guy. But I, I kind of yeah. think for integrity purposes, this should be a massive hit on the Eagles. This is not a small thing because. This moves millions of dollars, and who knows, right? You could have money laundering. I mean, we don't know if there was a criminal element behind this. I mean, I don't mean to go to that far, but the point is, I mean, look at what our country's dealing with. When, when you start to erode away the integrity of something, then suddenly the conspiracy theories grow, right? And, and I'm sorry, the NFL ought to take a page from what we're, you know, what we're witnessing in this country right now when it comes to sort of trust in institutions – to remember, if you really want to protect the shield, Mr. Commissioner, protect the integrity of the game and come down harshly, uh, they should lose a draft pick. Kieran Simpson should uh, lose look, their first-round draft pick. Doug Peterson should be fined $1 million for this. And I'm tired of these former players saying it's no big deal and a coach can do what he wants. I hope he loses the team. I hope they don't want to play for him anymore. He, he personally changed the course of this game. Yeah. This is outrageous. It's absolutely outrageous what Doug Peterson did to me. And it's the playoffs. And, it, you know, it's the playoffs. Yeah, this I is just, Super Bowl money. This is real. You know, this is not. Yes, it's a game, but it has real consequences financially. It has real consequence. And, and you know, that's you know the uh, anyway. Yes, we're on the same. Yeah, you and I are. You and I are aligned on this one. All right, let's get to let's get to games this week. These are all playoff games. Indianapolis is at Buffalo. Buffalo looked great against Miami. Indianapolis is a dome team going into a cold weather setting. 
quarterbacked by a guy who spent most of his career, if not all of his career, in San Diego, Philip Rivers, who Chuck Todd hates yeah. anyway. Indianapolis is <laughs> and 11-5, and neither of us knows how this happened. Yeah. Although I will say this, Sally Jenkins wrote a great piece today, a great piece on Frank Reich. It really is a great yeah. piece in the Washington Post. Indianapolis plus 6.5 at Buffalo, yeah. a hot team. Hey, you know, one of the things you love to tell people, Tony, is that um, you were on the field when the Hail Mary yep. happened. Miami. For Doug Plutie, yep. Right? Yep. And uh, mm-hmm. I was at that game myself. My father and I and my next door neighbor, Blake Wax, my best friend, we were at that game on them. Okay. But I was also at the game six days before that game when the University of Miami was up 31 to nothing on the University of Maryland and a young Frank, Frank Reich. Reich came out. And it was, you know, and so um, I just want to, you love to talk about you at the Hail Mary game. I was at the first Mir- Frank Reich miracle game. It was not a He's got two. Frank Reich miracle. I have to agree. I agree. I love the guy, but you invoked a memory in my head by taking Philip Rivers in San Diego. Remember every time Dan Fouts and San Diego would suddenly would make the playoff, they'd go to a winter, an outdoor winter weather city, and it would be, it would be toast, uh, and they would lose. Look, I'm on the Bills. I will say this: I think the best bet of the of the weekend, if you really, is to tease the Bills, and uh, and and the Bucks, and tease them down six points each, and that that is going to be, I think, where you see a ton of actual money on people. I'm a little scared of betting against Indianapolis because of, I think they have a really good defense. They're really well coached, but I think you throw in the outdoor and you, and Buffalo just looks like they're loving this and they're, you know, they're, they're, they their confidence is flying high. So, you know, why, why would you get off that train? So give me, give me okay. the bills. The LA Rams are having a game and there's a couple of these where, where these are division rivals. The LA Rams are at Seattle. The LA Rams are plus four. Don't know if you have a quarterback there with Jared Goff. He is better on the road than at home, but you don't know if he's even going to play. Although the other guy was pretty good. The guy was the financial analyst. He was pretty good last week. Uh, plus four, I, I thought it would be higher than this. Plus four at Seattle. I think when Goff gets officially ruled out, it goes up to plus five or plus six um, for what it's worth. Right? He said it's, he's not going to decide. I think yeah. if it ends up becoming the rookie quarterback, it does that. Imagine if there were fans. I mean, I hate to go through this, right? If, if this were actually, if the twelfth man were actually yelling and screaming in, in Seattle, I think the line would eight. already, yeah, it would already be over, yeah. over a touchdown. Um, yep. I, Russell Wilson and John Wolford. Who do you bet on? I, I, you know, this is I'm like, gonna, what, yeah, yeah, there's just no way I'm gonna get caught taking the Rams here, even though I think their defense is good enough to win a game. It's hard to bet against Russell Wilson when the quarterback on the other side is a guy you and I never heard of until 10 days ago. No, that's right. All right, we go to Tampa Bay is now minus eight at Washington. Washington has very little ability to score on offense. They're going to have to score on defense. Chase Young has said, give me Tom Brady. I'm coming after Tom Brady. Chase Young is really good. That defense is legitimate. And and that team is run by two guys who are hardcore defensive guys, Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. Um, that's how they're going to win if they're going to win. Eight is a pretty big number. It's a pretty big number, eight. But it's Tom Brady in the last four weeks. Tom Brady has 12 touchdown passes and one interception, and every game is near 400 yards. And he's, he had 40 touchdown passes at age 43, which may be the most remarkable number we've ever seen in sports. Honestly, he's 43 years old. It's unbelievable. Who you got? Well, I, I told you earlier I'm more comfortable teasing this game down. 
because yes. I, that eight that eight does get me nervous because Chase Young. I, I, I the only yep. thing, and there is only there, there's a good rule that that out there which is don't take the underdog unless you think they can actually win in a playoff game. So there's no way the football team's going to win this game. But you ask yourself, how would it be closer competitive? And it's Chase Young gets to Brady early and either yes. rattles him, right, where yes. suddenly he gets the quick feet, uh, or worse. I don't want to assume the worst, but the point is, is that that's your recipe, right? So, I, look, I, I don't just it, I just can't imagine how the Washington offense scores more than than 14 points against the Bucks defense. I agree Max. with you. So. The Bucks are going to win this game, um, and I'll go ahead and assume they cover because more scenarios have them covering than not. Um, but I'll admit, Chase Young's the wild card here. The only look at it this way, Tony, in the NFC East, if you looked at the four teams and you said there's eight units, right? The four offenses and the four defenses of those NFC East teams. Only one of the eight units was a playoff caliber unit, and that's the Washington. Yeah, defense. Washington defense. Yes, you're right. Yeah. You're right. So you, but you'll take Tampa Bay. I will. I'm a, I'm a, I'm really into the under. I know, you know, yeah. what it's worth yeah. because I think we know what those two coaches are going to do. They're going to slow the game down and harass the hell out of Brady. So it's very possible if Tampa's smart, we're going to see a lot of. You'll see a lot more running, uh, too. So uh, yeah. As well. So, so in in my mind, scoring game. Yeah. In my mind, this is a game that ends something like twenty to ten, something around yeah. there. But the wild card for me is can Washington once again score on defense? Can they scoop and score? Can they pick six on defense? Because that's, that's how that's they cover the think, spread. By the way, that's how yeah. they cover the spread is if they that's get right. an unusual touchdown. Right. Exactly. Uh, Baltimore is at Tennessee. Baltimore is a road favorite. Um, Tennessee really, really scrambled to win. Baltimore, if you bet against Baltimore, what you're saying is I've seen Lamar Jackson in playoffs, and he's terrible. If you bet for Baltimore, what you're saying is Lamar Jackson is due in playoffs. I don't think this has anything to do with Tennessee. I think it has to do with Baltimore. What do you think? I, I you know, you, you, you just put it out there well. I, I agree. I'm, I, I'm, I don't know with Lamar because he basically is great against bad teams, and he struggles against good teams. Right? That's We've right. now seen the pattern. Um, so... The question I have, though, is Tennessee's defense a good team? I don't think it is. I think this is going to be a shootout. I can't wait for this game. I'm sorry that I don't know. what I have very little power at NBC News uh, or at NBC Sports. I, and I have, well, who knows what power I have at NBC News. <laughs> <laughs> but if no. I could talk to the, my bosses here, can we flex out the Steelers-Browns playoff game now on Sunday night? Yeah. And flex yeah. in Tennessee, Baltimore. This is the best game of the weekend. This is the hardest one because this is the one place where you feel like ESPN has the, this right where the road team yeah. is the favorite. Boy, ESPN they usually get the crap game, don't they? They do. So they, they do. Actually, but this they is actually get a good one. This is I think it's the best game of the of the weekend. I'm going to go with Jackson primarily because for some reason um, Mike Rabel has a terrible defense. I mean, just horrendous. And he's a defensive guy, and he knows yeah, what yeah. he's doing. Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, the the game. The, the, there's no. I have no interest in this game. I know that Wilbon does. I have no interest in Chicago plus ten at New Orleans. I just. I don't really care about the game. So you tell me who you want. Ten's a big number in a playoff. I, oh. I think. Yeah, I think ten's a big number too. I don't like that number at all. 
um, I could tell you as a Packer fan, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid of the saints right now. They don't, I, 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 and so I wouldn't be surprised to see the saints here struggle. I just don't believe, again, I'm going to go by the rule. I don't believe the bears can win this game. So I'm not going to take the number. Right. Um, so I'll, I'll go ahead and go with the saints, but it would not, it would not shock me. Um, if this is a surprisingly, if this is also a lower scoring game, because one thing people have to remember about the playoff, you know, everybody, you know, everybody, everybody just plays, plays a little more intense. The, the, the scores are usually lower and you usually have sort of stouter defenses. You have offenses that are a little more nervous. So, you know, I expect this game to also be kind of low scoring, but here's another thing. Mitch Trubisky in a big moment, by the way, we saw it against the Packers. They needed to win, right, to guarantee their playoff spot. And he, he melted couldn't do again. It. He, he only couldn't do he, it. he did fine when there was no pressure, right? When they were looked like it was out of it and they couldn't make the playoffs, they bring him back and he's doing fine. And the second, oh, look, you guys now can make the playoffs, what happens? And I have a feeling that we could see that again with this guy. Okay, the last game is the game that is the Sunday night game. It's Cleveland at Pittsburgh. That was a good game last week. Um, Baker Mayfield ran for a bunch of first downs late. He really looked like a leader out there. Pittsburgh wasn't playing all of its people, but Cleveland needed to win, and Cleveland won. And, and now they are devastated by coronavirus. Their head coach won't be there. Two position coaches won't be there. At least two players won't be there. Maybe they're used to this because it happened last week as well, but they've shut down the facility. There, there's no... Worse way to walk into well, there's one worse way if Baker Mayfield had had coronavirus, but there's really yeah. no worse way to walk in to a playoff game against a divisional team that you know so well and hate so much. The line started at four and a half; it is now up to six. I believe it is rising. I believe you want to you want to lock it in now and take Pittsburgh before it becomes twelve. But what do you think? You know what's sad here is that before all this COVID stuff, I wanted to take Cleveland. You know, you can't beating a team three times in a year yeah. is very hard. Um, and before all this COVID mess, I was, you know, I wanted to get, I wanted to find a way to Cleveland. Um, uh, and was hoping the number would be north of three, all of that. Um, but now, right, I, I, poor Leon Harris, poor Browns fans. And by the way, imagine if you are a Browns Ohio State fan. And on one hand, things have never been better. And all of a sudden now you're watching covid you know, it could be that your game's a mess on the, the national championship game unless they decide to postpone right. it a week. Um, and now the Browns, who you've been waiting for this moment, you know, for literally a generation, and, and, and it's COVID. It's, uh, there's, there's probably no more Cle- – if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, they're probably saying, well, of course this is the way it happens. Of course this is yeah. the narrative to the story. This is what happens but to I, us. I, yeah, sure. You know, the Steelers are go- – I can't wait to bet against the Steelers in the second round of the playoffs, but I'm going to take them now. I agree with you. I think people have forgotten that the Steelers lost three in a row late, late in the season. They lost three in a row and looked terrible, just terrible. So I, I agree with that. And I might have wanted Cleveland in this game, but I, you can't take them now. Can't you just can't. No. no, it's impossible. And I, and I understand what the NFL is doing. Because if you delay this game to, say, Tuesday, the winner yeah. of this game is at a terrible disadvantage next weekend. Yeah. You can't do Can it. Make- I'll make a confession, though. If this gets to double digits, then I will. Yeah. Quickly. Oh, you will? You'll, you'll take it? I, they got to double digits with real I, – I'd, I'd take – because 
It's more, I don't believe Pittsburgh can score enough points to cover a double-digit spread. Okay. The, well, we'll see. We'll see where it is. But yeah. Yeah. We'll see where it ends up. Okay. Thank you, Chuck. All righty. Thanks for the distraction. Chuck Todd, today, boys and girls. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I we're do. not, we're not, you have no. things to do today. We want to let you off. I you will. have to be there for Mike Pence when he declares Trump king. You have to be there. <laughs> okay. I'll be, I hope you enjoy being a subject now, Mr. Yeah. Yeah. We're all subjects. Better, better a subject than an object on a lot of levels. Um, Chuck Todd, boys and girls. And if we just gave you Chuck Todd, that would be more than enough. But we give you a monkey. See the monkey. He's scritch, scritch, scratching. Watching his iPad, smoking and laughing. Hanging with Bud Grant, tap, tap, tapping on his purple attache. Nigel's going to the zoo. Zoo, zoo, zoo. Reginald's Ooh. got the vibe. Two. Spine, two. Mike. Sometimes he throws his poo, poo, poo. When he's had too much Johnny Wally. Blue. Did I get close? Am I close? I don't even know if I'm close on that. Ooh, Reginald has, has gone 2-1 and one and 3-0 and oh and 2-1. and one. Reginald, 2-1 and one last week, now 25-25. and 25. Ahead of a human. Ahead of a human. <laughs> 25 and 25. Nigel, who does Reginald want? Again, if you're betting with the monkey, you have not lost money. Uh, it's just fantastic. No. Um, right. the foot, well, of course, I went down to the National Zoo, um, and I was very surprised. He was hanging out with Kanye West, apparently cheering him <laughs> up as Kanye goes through this divorce. And the inside word, Mr. Tony, is that Reginald will be his VP pick when Kanye West runs for office in 2024. So you heard that Can't here first. Yes. It. Now, the first match we gave him was, uh, was the Rams getting four at Seattle. And this was a nice photograph of Reginald, I believe, driving down the PCH in a convertible with a big, nasty redhead next to him. So clearly he's got Randy Newman on his mind, and he loves L.A. in this match. I love L.A. You know, <laughs> turn up the beach boys, baby. Don't let it ever stop. Go ahead. What else? Uh, now, the next match we gave him was uh, the Washington uh, the Washington football team getting eight at home against Tampa. And uh, he actually, this was going on while I was there, he was with Chase Young perfecting yeah. the recipe for a sugar-glazed three-cheese ravioli and a nice caramel-based <laughs> sauce. So clearly, clearly he's got ties to Washington, and he will take them with the eight points. Um, and the last match he gave him, was a, this was a tough one, but uh, it was Tennessee uh, getting three at home. Uh, and this was, an, again, an interesting videotape he showed me. It was of him and Derek Henry. Apparently, this was their audition tape for The Amazing Race. They're auditioning to be in that together, so hopefully they'll get they'll pass that and they'll be on that show together. But clearly he's got ties to the Titans, and he will take them with the three. Derrick Henry is a beast, but <laughs> if Lamar Jackson has a good game, yes. they can't waste all that time handing the ball repeatedly to Derrick Henry because they're going to be behind if Lamar yeah. Jackson has a good game. So it, to me, it, it all rests on Lamar Jackson. It's, it, and it's the same way that in the most recent presidential election, it didn't matter who was running against Donald Trump. You were either voting for or against Donald Trump. Right. He was the right. dominant figure in that. Lamar Jackson can be the dominant figure in this game, and we'll see what happens. All right, we're good. Uh, when we come back, we will have email and a jingle, and I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a Zip Recruiter ad. It gives me three options, option one script, option two script, option three, personal anecdote. Let's well, go off script. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, personal anecdote. Did I tell anybody about the time Carol put sugar in the ravioli sauce and I couldn't eat it? 
That's a personal anecdote. Did I tell you about the time Louis Carnesecca went to the weekly college basketball writers luncheon in New York City at Mamalioni's? And they were so thrilled to have Louis Carnesecca there that they said, they went over to him and said, Coach, order anything you want. We'll make whatever you want. And he said, can I have scrambled eggs? That's funny. That's a personal anecdote from 60 years ago. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job sites with one click. Then ZipRecruiter's matching technology scans thousands of resumes and profiles to send you the most qualified people for your job. If you're really interested in a candidate, you can invite them to apply for your job. With one click, ZipRecruiter sends them an email from you, and you stand out from the competition. It's so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash T-O-N-Y. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. This is the policy genius ad. I I need to bring something up. They have instructions that say, please do not read verbatim, personalize, rotate, and make this your own, like Randy Jackson used to say of singers on the original American Idol. If you say, please do not read verbatim, and and you have a sentence, it's a new year, finally, so let's try to start it off right. What would you like me to change about that? You know, it's a new year. Oh, it snuck up on me. So let's try to start it off. I mean, I don't even understand it. If trying to save some extra cash is on your mind, think about reshopping your home and auto insurance rates with Policy Genius. That's a perfectly good sentence, a sentence that tells you exactly why you're doing this ad. Why would you not read that verbatim? Why would you not read this sentence verbatim? You could save up to $1,055 per year with help from their licensed experts. Well, the only reason you do that is because you would stumble over 1055 because it's sort of an odd number. And it's just, you know, you could say save over $1,000 a year. But I, I don't. And then the final sentence is, here's how it works. <laughs> what would you like me to change that to? When you say, do not read it verbatim, what would you like me to change? I just, I don't understand that. Head to policygenius.com, answer a few questions about yourself and your property. Policy Genius does the rest. They'll compare rates from over 30 top insurers, from progressive to nationwide, to find the lowest quotes. Their licensed experts will look at all the ways to maximize your savings, including bundling your home and auto policies. If Policy Genius finds a better rate than what you're currently paying, they'll get you switched for free. Why would you change that copy? It's, it's perfect. It's lean. It gets to the point. I just, what are you doing? If you're a homeowner, make 2021 the year you save up to $1,055 by simply reshopping your home and auto insurance. Just head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. This This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. That's the great world champion. Chris Ullman from Binghamton, New York, Takes doing that breath whistling. Control. Tremendous. Nigel, you want to do the Bethesda Bagels ad? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Several locations in the D.C. area. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the store nearest you. Then stop on it. Get the bagel sandwiches. we got the bagels today. We love it all, yep. and you will as well. 
I guess that's just about it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say, look out, kid. They keep it all hid. Better jump down a manhole, light yourself a candle. Don't wear sandals. Try to avoid the scandals. Don't want to be a bum. You better chew gum. The pump don't work because the vandals took the handle. Robert Zimmerman from Minnesota. Thanks to our guests today. Meet the press host, Chuck Todd, Gary Brown, and Keith Saliza. Thanks as well to our sponsors, Policy Genius, Solo Stove, Zip Recruiter, and HBO Max, where you can stream Wonder Woman 1984 right now. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. From Bob Ashley in Santa Clara, California, I wanted to take an opportunity to wish you a happy new year. In the days of pandemic, I'm one of the lucky people who has maintained my job working from home rather than my office, so your show is a regular companion to me. I grew up in Eugene, Oregon, near the banks of the Willamette River. I'm also a graduate of the University of Oregon, frequent visitor to Bandon Dunes. I was happy to hear you mention Otis Day and the Nights. You may not be aware, but Animal House was filmed on and around campus of the U of O, which I did not know, with Shout being played at each home game. What does all this have to do with the show? Well, the Dexter Lake Club is a real place situated on the banks of Dexter Lake. Dexter Lake is a reservoir in the Willamette River. Yeah, that Willamette River. Wishing you all well, play well, and do not three We have to go. That is tremendous. We do it. It's yeah. part of the pilgrimage. And you have to say, Well, lamb it, damn it. So <laughs> hit it. And so, by the way, so hit it. if Duska Jensen oh, is oh, listening, oh, oh, I need oh. you to call me. I need to talk to Duska Jensen. Got to get some wine. <laughs> uh, Graham Ramsey, Halifax, Virginia. How is it you were quickly able to figure out that the Rose Bowl wasn't really being played in Pasadena, <laughs> but not so quick to figure out that the WFT was playing at the link instead of FedEx? The skyline. I can't, I, I don't know how this happened. Josh Cromwell, Moselle, Mississippi, just to temper your expectations, I wanted to let you know that Al won't be in Washington this weekend. <laughs> the old booth mate Mike Tirico is calling the dame with Tony Dungy. Alan, Chris, and I assume Michelle are calling the Pittsburgh-Cleveland game instead. So this will make a second straight weekend where you'll be looking for Al to be in town when he's actually in Yeah, watch in out for contact tracing with that one. Yeah. Ryan from Mercer, Pennsylvania. So you were confused that the game was in Philadelphia, not Washington. What possibly could have given it away? The giant Eagles logo in the middle of the field? The word well, Eagles in the end zone? Or was it that the seats were not decked out in the maroon, black, and yellow? That's a smart email. I can't, I can't even tell you what happened because I don't know. Charlie Burtz in Springfield, Virginia. Funny, I was planning to have a candlelit New Year's dinner for you serving tuna and ketchup. Maybe we'll just settle for New York-style pizza and a table-side presentation by guest lecturer Dabo Sweeney. Noodles and ketchup. Michael Murphy, Taylor's South Carolina. I'm so bewildered. I thought I had what it takes to be on your good side. I don't own a Subaru. I don't cross-country ski. And I would never have my son tell you everything he knows. Alas, I now know I have no hope. I love ketchup, especially with French fries. How do you eat those bowling alley fries you love so much? I thought fries were tools to get ketchup into your mouth. Disappointed we can't be You don't friends. even like ketchup on eggs? I don't put ketchup on anything. Oh. Joe Catula. I love the show. I've been a fan for a long time of the podcast and PTI. I recently made the long trek home from Atlanta to Detroit for the new year and was inspired to write in after hearing the curious nature of discussion behind Duke's mayonnaise. About 20 years ago, I relocated from the north to the south. Upon arrival, my second day in Georgia, I was indoctrinated into the Dukes versus Blue Plate battle. Much to my chagrin, I thought it was all the same. I was raised on Miracle Whip sandwiches. I had no idea what the world of mayonnaise is truly about. I was learned into what a perversion Miracle Whip was and enlightened by what real flavors in the form of these two wonderful brands. I've clearly landed on the side of Dukes. I'm raising my kids on it. It's amazing. We use it all the time. Consequently, I've developed a passionate distaste for anyone that backs Blue Plate. It's like they drive a Subaru or down south, even worse, a foreign-made truck. 
I hope you try some Dukes and enjoy the humor in this. I promise to write in about Zaxby's and its buttery-soaked Texas to toast next time. It's my kid's favorite. From Michael Murphy in Taylor, South Carolina. Didn't I, didn't I do this already? Didn't I read yeah. one from him? Here's another one. I will likely never attain your one percenter status, but I'm a snob when it comes to condiments. Duke's mayonnaise is the only white substance I use on a sandwich. When we travel to visit my wife's parents in Arizona, she packs Duke's mayo in the suitcase. Additionally, she puts Miracle Whip on her sandwich, but is careful to put Duke's on mine. Part of my loyalty comes from the fact that Duke's was created by Eugenia Duke in 1917 in my hometown of Greenville, South Carolina. From humble beginnings, it is now the third most popular mayonnaise in the United States. Enjoy your tuna fish. From Alex Lau in New York City. Thank you for opening the Monday show talking about your dislike of ketchup and how you don't really use mustard or mayo anymore. For my whole life, I've been criticized for not liking ketchup or many other condiments. And my response to the haters is always the same. You're not tasting the food. You're tasting the condiment. So thank you for giving us anti-condimenters a platform. Would you reconsider your stance on going to people's homes to grill for money if I didn't use condiments on anything you cook? Thanks, I will hang Don't up even and use listen. mayonnaise on a grilled cheese? Huh? Don't no. use mayonnaise to get I, the crust? No, no. Neil in Rockville. Just so I'm clear, if you came to my house and I had scented candles burning and ketchup on the table, would I be entitled to a refund of the $10,000? From Colin in Memphis. Gee, thanks for ruining my dreams of owning my own craft candle and ketchup store. If the market of red wine tuna eaters isn't going to buy in, then who will? Jimmy in Cincinnati. How could you think for even one second that a true fan wouldn't be delighted to hear any input you have on tuna salad? Then to go one step further and move on to ketchup, or is it catsup and mayo? That's like extra innings. And ketchup? show me a guy over 55 ketchup. who doesn't love free baseball. I could listen to you wax poetic about homemade Thousand Island dressing forever. You are the Socrates of condiments. From Jason Marchinkoski. Um, who's a real estate appraiser. Hello, Mr. Tony. You're absolutely correct. Ketchup has no redeeming value whatsoever, invented <laughs> by some unholy force, no doubt. And then he says he's from Hardyville, South Carolina, which is near Bluffton, Okatee, Hilton Head, and Savannah. Ryan Dovell in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Just so yeah. I'm clear, new you wouldn't crossing. like a sample of my new ketchup-scented candles? Lance Morrison, Dinsmore, Saskatchewan, Canada. I am sorry you don't like me anymore. Being a Canadian, we put ketchup on lots of food. You should really try our old Dutch ketchup chips. We also put it on our poutine, P-O-U-T-I-N-E, which is fries with cheese curds and gravy. If you put enough, you won't even see the fries. I believe it's poutine. Poutine? Okay. Anyway, I hope we can still be acquaintances. It was nice listening to you. And from Adam in Haymarket, three cans of Starkiss tuna in water, two heaping spoons of sweet relish, one spoon of mayo, none of that light crap, four chopped up <laughs> celery stalks, Four dashes of celery salt, five dashes of onion powder, two dashes of pepper. Stir and enjoy. Served on the best English raisin bread from Giant. Jay Yander, Old Forge, Pennsylvania, near Scranton, right off I-81. I really enjoyed listening about your tuna salad recipe. I'd love to hear your thoughts on making hard-boiled eggs. When should I add the eggs? Before the water boils or after? No, you, you start with the eggs. You put the eggs in water. You heat the water. The water begins to boil. You can take them out right then. I usually leave them in for three or four more minutes. Cover. And then I cover. Then I take, I throw the water out and I put in 200 ice cubes. Immediately. Helps 200 ice cubes all the time. So, and one more, just because I know you'd like this, from Brandon Costello, singer-songwriter in Lexington, Kentucky. So McManus changed their name? Curious. <laughs> if you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white.
You know, they all get involved and they all got their gear already. And so they're going to be all colored up in uh, in the maroon and black and yellow.
Could I? 